Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Edit Your Life podcast. I'm Christine Ko. And I'm Asha Dornfest, and we're here to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. We share practical ways to declutter your home schedule and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. And we believe that baby steps are the key to getting there. Okay, Edit Your Life friends, I am delighted to bring you another super rad summer guest host, Letitia Barr. Hello, Letitia. Hi, Christine. How are you? I am really well, and I'm already a little like hyped up. I got to like calm myself down. I'm very excited to talk to you today. <laughs> oh, thanks. I love talking to you. So I'm so glad we could find time to do this. Yes, yes. And you are coming off vacation. We are making it happen. We both showed up and it's it's pretty amazing. Indeed. So <laughs> yes. So um, I just want to say personally to our listeners, I think, is this possibly the first Asian double host episode, it might be, in which case I have a lot of feelings about that. I love That's you so, so much. That's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. And you are just um, so impressive to me. I've known you for quite a long time on the internet and you, I, I want you to talk about your backstory in just a second, but I just want to love on you a little bit to tell listeners that um, you are somebody who just um, writes and creates and shares with such um authenticity and enthusiasm, whether it's about tech or teaching or parenting, um, and also tons and tons of cause-based work. So I love you. And I would love for you to tell a little bit more about sort of your pivot in and out of the internet. I mean, you're still doing the internet, but you you do a lot of things. So I would love for you to share a little bit about your backstory. I think we all do a lot of things. And, you know, luckily the internet has brought us together. And mm -hmm. I love that we've, you know, been friends for so long in the thanks to this space, really. And, you know, really, I, I like you started so long ago at this internet blog thing, and it's just transformed and it's taken on taken on a life of its own. So for those of you who may not know me, um, I'm Letitia Barr. I run a website called Tech Savvy Mama. And I've been running my website since 2008. So I think it, it's hard to imagine life before, you know, 2020 started because we're, I feel like we're still stuck in March. Mm -hmm. But at the same time here, I've had this website since 2008. I've been writing about technology, parenting and education because I'm, a, I'm a, an educator at heart, always and forever. And uh, I just started writing about what I knew when my kids were very little because my mother-in-law was going to give us the hand-me-down computer. And at the time, 
Our daughter was four and she's now 16. So that shows you how long I've been writing about this. <laughs> but also like back in 2008, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have social media. It was a very different landscape back then. And as things have progressed, I've just kind of written about things from the lens of a parent um, with the background of a, of a teacher and someone who's, um, I have, have a training in technology integration in the classroom. So, you know, this whole ball of wax kind of comes together on my website. And I love being able to share what I do with my online audience. Um, and then especially now in times of coronavirus, when we went to virtual schooling, I am a classroom teacher. I teach middle school. That was not expected that I would go back to teaching. I mm -hmm. took a hiatus. I took a hiatus after I started um, my blog and I decided that I wanted to run my own business and run my own company doing education consulting work. And then this opportunity came up to teach middle school con computer science. And I actually invented a whole new way to embarrass your teen by teaching my own teen. And it, it was actually, I know, right? <laughs> actually, my son, Thomas, he was 13 at the time. Uh, our middle school opened up three three or four really great classes for all grade levels, sixth, seventh, and eighth. And they needed a computer science teacher. So just like there's a shortage in all STEM fields, indeed, mm -hmm. there's a shortage in computer science teachers as well. And so they hired someone really great. That person fell through. To make a long story short, I didn't know I was certified to teach middle school computer science, but I jumped in in October. And honestly, it was such a rewarding experience. I think teens get such a bad rap sometimes. But having lived with living with two teens, but then also teaching teens mm -hmm. gave me a whole new perspective on teenagers. And honestly, when we moved to online school, that's something I really missed, that face to face interaction with my students. I love the relationships I built with them. And to go to a virtual classroom, it definitely felt different. And certainly coming fall, I have a challenge of building community with a whole new set of students that I don't yet already know. So that's a long, a long introduction to who I am. But yeah, I'm a I'm a parent of two teens and then also a middle school computer science teacher. Well, that's amazing. And really, who better to be our guest host today on this this topic <laughs> of uh, dealing with tech fatigue and all the things that we're coming up on? I do. I must digress and say that in 2008, um, I did have a cell phone, but I shared it with my husband. And when <laughs> right. we, we shared a phone and whenever I tell my kids that they're like, what? <laughs> I know. Can you even imagine like that is like the stone age? I swear. I think I had only so many minutes I could yeah. use per month when I first got mine. And oh my gosh, how quickly I ran out of those minutes. And then I was always paying for more. And <laughs> it's a whole new world. It's a whole new world. Yeah. No apps, no social media. Like what? Our kids don't even understand. <laughs> yeah, they don't. As you know, I am all about micro-improvements, and if you'd like to dedicate a little time each day to learn a language, I have a great solution for you. Babbel is a science-backed language learning app that offers 10-minute language lessons designed to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Materials are rooted in real-life situations, so you can learn important basics such as ordering food and asking for directions. Babbel offers personalized learning content, real-time feedback, tracking, and visualizations, and their speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. No matter what level you are looking for, casual, intense, or something in between, you can enjoy app lessons, podcasts, and live classes from the comfort of your home on your schedule. Here's a special limited time deal for Edit Your Life listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for Edit Your Life listeners at babbel.com edit. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash edit. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash edit. Rules and restrictions may apply.
Especially in this digital age, since we're well beyond handwritten journals and letters to convey history, the preservation of stories is so important, especially from the moms and mom figures in our lives. And if you've been looking for a way to collect those stories but aren't sure how to start, I have a recommendation for you. StoryWorth makes it easy. Every week, they email a loved one of your choosing a question prompt that you pick. For example, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? And what aspects of having children didn't turn out the way you expected? Your loved one responds to that email with a story of any length. You will receive copies of these emails as they are submitted. And after one year, StoryWorth compiles the stories and any photos provided into a keepsake book. A friend recently shared how moving it was that her mom gifted copies of her StoryWorth album to immediate family members, a genius idea for expanding the preservation and sharing of those stories to people in different households and generations. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years, StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com edit. That's storyworth.com com slash edit to save $10 on your first purchase. Um, okay. Well, so one of the reasons I wanted, I was thinking about talking with you and, and the particular timing of this is we're in the first full week of August this week. If this was any other year, I'd say that this is the time it's like about now when you start thinking about back to school and like supplies and whether you're not going to get clothes or whatever. Um, However, pandemic, you know, <laughs> and so I don't know about you, but personally, I feel as if the conversation about what was going to happen with the new school year started even before the last school year technically ended. Um, I'm just curious, is that how it's been for you? I mean, you're sitting in both lanes as parent and educator, which is a very unique and challenging position. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the struggle is real. I have two high schoolers. My daughter will be a junior and my son is starting his freshman year. And these mm. are really critical years for all our kids, academically and socially. And we know how the end of last school year went. Honestly, I like to say it was crisis schooling. Yeah. School systems were put in this position. Teachers were put in this position. No one was really prepared. I didn't go back to teaching in October thinking that I would be teaching online come March, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, these are really critical years for our kids. And as a parent, I'm sad. My kids are missing out on in-person learning and all the social events that go along with the first semester, because in our school system, we're in Montgomery County, Maryland, in our school system, we are virtual for the entire first semester. But at the same time, I would not feel comfortable sending my kids to school right now. I wouldn't feel comfortable teaching in a computer lab where my computers are right next to each other, let alone trying to keep them clean and keep myself safe. So, um, you know, I, it's a challenge. It's a challenge because we, as parents, we want our kids to get that really good instruction. We want them to have that. We want them to be strong socially and academically through all their, their experiences, but there's also the safety aspect. And then there's also the real challenge of working, right? Mm -hmm. Not only just our kids and what they're facing, but the challenges that we face at home as they're doing all these things virtually. So, you know, I, I, I realize the struggle is there. I, I teach part-time. I run my own business as a blogger and an education consultant. I know the struggles we parents face with virtual learning. But as a teacher, I'm asking parents for grace and to be yeah. partners in their kids' education. I mean, I'm not the one making the health guidelines or the online schedule. Um, we want, we as teachers, I know, I don't think that there's a teacher out there who wishes they were at home versus starting the year face to face. Like mm -hmm. if it were safe, we would all want to be back in those classrooms. We would all want to be in a school 
with our kids. We want to be in school as much as your kids do. And we're working our hardest to provide engaging learning opportunities for students. There will be challenges ahead. We know that. Do we know what they are? Not necessarily. And some of these things we just can't anticipate until the year starts. So yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely hard and it's very nuanced. There's a lot of, a lot of challenges ahead for all of us. Yeah, I, I definitely agree and, you know, cosign and want to amplify, underscore, underline, you know, the fact that, <laughs> you know, teachers want to, they want to do their job and, and also are being expected to do ridiculous things. Honestly, it makes me crazy. So <laughs> I just, I, I have all the sort of love and admiration. I, I just want everyone to be safe. Um, You know, and you just touched on this, but I think one of the other things that is, is just so hard is all of this uncertainty. You know, we, everybody feels uncertain and, you know, nervous and worried. However, I think the only certainty that we have is that tech will be part of the school year. So definitely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's why I wanted to talk to you about dealing with tech fatigue, because I know that everybody was losing it by the end of, you know, emergency teaching, you know, and what happened last spring. And I just feel like, you know, maybe we can take some of those like little nuggets from what happened and put a little more intention into figuring out how to kind of like make it less crazy. And hopefully we can move the needle a little bit because it's going to be stressful, especially juggling work. So I would love to dive in and just tackle the tech fatigue head on. I was wondering if during the spring, if you developed any helpful strategies, whether it was like daily structure type stuff to deal with tech fatigue, whether it was Zoom or otherwise, I felt like at the beginning, Zoom was so exciting. The kids were so psyched about it. And then soon they were like totally over it. (laughs) I know, right? There's only so far those virtual backgrounds will get you in terms of... I know. I I took a good run on sharing my humorous backgrounds and then I got exhausted. I mean, can you believe it? (laughs) I mean, I love your humorous backgrounds and how you match them to the people that you are having Zooms with. You were absolutely brilliant. I'm like, I have to step up my Zoom game. And I did for my students. Like I was a master at the Zoom backgrounds. I even taught people about face filters and things like that. They were like, what? Game changer. And then we all got tired, right? And Mm -hmm. we were all suffering from Zoom exhaustion after a while. And, you know, Zoom fatigue, and I do like to say Zoom fatigue, it is very real. I think that there's a lot of mental energy required to learn through Zoom that's different from face-to-face learning. And that's so easy to forget. Um, Staring at a screen is honestly exhausting. We get tired of doing it as as adults. Our Mm -hmm. kids get tired too. And I think part of that is um, the blue light that comes from screens. That can take a toll on our mental well-being and also our physical well-being in terms of the blue light that comes from screens um, and its effect on our eyes. Mm -hmm. For people who don't know about blue light, blue light is known to cause digital eye strain and it causes symptoms that include tired and sore eyes, headaches and trouble focusing. So it is some, it is a thing. And it, what it does is blue light enters the eye and it's defocused in front of the retina. I'm going to get a little sciencey here. Love it. Bring it. (laughs) So this whole thing, it causes uh, blue light causes this light to scatter and it creates an effect that's visually perceived as glare. And because of glare, our eyes are focusing and working overtime to focus and process these different wavelengths of light. So a really short-term effect of blue light is the ability to suppress melatonin production, which can make it difficult to fall asleep. But I know there have been times where my kids have come home from standardized testing that has been, you know, on the computer these days, some of the tests they take. And I remember particularly in third or fourth grade, Thomas came home and he just said, mom, my head hurts. My everything seems blurry. I don't feel very good. And I said, what'd Mm. you do at school today? And he's like, 
we had to do this standardized test on the computer. And I said, well, how long do you think it was? He's like, probably like two hours. And I don't know if it was two hours or not, but he was, I could definitely tell that he was suffering from um, eye strain because of he, because he was staring at a screen. So now, you know, not, our kids are going to be learning in front of screens and we have to be mindful that blue light isn't just something that comes from a phone. It comes from televisions. It comes from tablets. It kind of comes from everywhere. So it's important to minimize blue light. And that's really hard to do. It used to be that we would uh, minimize blue light by regulating screen time, but it's hard to do when kids are learning online. So Mm -hmm. I think just being mindful of what the symptoms are and how to get kids to take a break um, are really, it's really important. And some things kids can do is just, you know, just check on how far they are from the screen. You want to make sure they're maintaining a digital distance, you know, that you don't want them to be like right on up, right up in that screen all the time, because that's not good for their eyes. Another thing that you can do that's easy is lower the screen's brightness. Don't have it be so bright. Use those controls and uh, just make it a little bit more dim. Encourage kids to also use the 20-20-20 rule. And that's that. every 20 minutes, <laughs> right? 20 mm-hmm. 20 Every 20 minutes, have them look at something 20 feet away for 20 seconds. So really what I would have parents do is set a timer um, on their phone, on their computer, somewhere in the room. You know, if you have a voice assistant like Amazon Alexa or Google Home, you can do it that way. Just have a little timer go off and have them look out the window and count to 20. And even the youngest kids can can get into this practice and that will help digital eye strain tremendously. So in addition to that, there's also blue light blocking glasses you can get to minimize the effects. And I think just taking breaks are really important. Um, We need to know when to take breaks, Mm -hmm. even though the schedule may say your kids need to be on during set hours. I encourage all parents to have a conversation with their child's teacher early on via email about their concerns, their expectations, et cetera. Remember, they didn't set the schedule and teachers need breaks as much as your kids do. I know that when my 45 minute class period was up, I'd be like, all right, I'm just going to like regroup for 20 minutes before I need to start again. (laughs) And then I was back on it. Um, So even though teachers might be required to take attendance, they might be building in breaks or modifying the schedule as they see kids getting tired. So I would just really be proactive and just say, hey, I'm here to support you. Um, It's early on in the year. I'm here to support you. I want to work with you to make this successful for my child. Let's just be in touch um, before things get bad or concerning or you have a lot of issues. Teachers always appreciate when parents are proactive and positive early on (laughs) rather than the nasty email, like when things have really, you know, gone, gone and spiraled out of control. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that, and then your kids are on zoom all day long and those physical breaks are definitely helpful during the day. And you'll probably find that they want to unplug after being on zoom all day long. So I would just encourage this by engaging your family in the things that your, your kids love. So this might be like an after dinner walk, dog, a bike ride, Maybe you got really into puzzles and that dropped off. Maybe pick up a new and novel puzzle, trade with a neighbor or something in a safe way. Do some family game time. Just build in the things that your family loves into your schedule so you can kind of regroup, have that face-to-face time that's away from the screen that gives everybody's eyes a break. I think that is fantastic. I will also toss in the recommendation if you have older kids, because it seems like a lot of kids are chomping at the bit to do this right now. You could go practice driving if they are working on their driver's license. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. I think, I think it's, I think it's true. Like everybody, it's funny when I was thinking of this, um, tech fatigue topic, I was thinking of it sort of as a general sort of emotional thing, but like, I love that you went right into the actual like science and eye strain issue because that 
that is just at a baseline. There's a lot of preventative stuff we can do about that. So that is that is just fabulous. I love it. It is. And it's something that we as parents don't think about. I wrote a post about blue light a while back, and it was amazing to me how many parents weren't consciously thinking of blue light back then when I wrote this post. Mm -hmm. And now I think it's just something that we've forgotten about too. And it's just something to be mindful of. So I'll share that link with you in case you want to include it for your listeners. Oh, we we for sure will. We will include all the links in the show notes. Well, so you were just talking about transitions and that was actually something I wanted to talk to you about because I know, you know, many families right now, present company included, are receiving the preliminary school plans or the final school plans. Um, And there's going to be a lot more structure than when we were in emergency mode in the spring, which is good. Um, However, (laughs) I'm sort of like sheepishly ducking my head. I'm curious to hear your thoughts about sort of like the general fatigue around how to handle your kids transition needs, like possibly every 30 to 45 minutes, because if you have a job, like that's hard. I would love any magic bullets. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could provide that to you because I need one over here as well. And we can sell those and make tons of money and retire somewhere fabulous. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I will say, and I'll just lead off with one thing that did come to mind and then I'd love to hear your thoughts, but, and I will first caveat by saying I have definitely not been a push the silver lining type of person during the pandemic. I've actually probably become more cynical, sadly. Um, But it does occur to me that out of sheer necessity, parents are going to need to teach kids early, earlier, um, how to handle trans, some of those transitions. Like I'm thinking like a really easy one is if a kid has like, say an academic block, like math or English or whatever. And then the next thing is an offline break time so they can have a snack and pee or whatever. Like if you're looking at the schedule with your kids, you can say, okay, like that's, here's the snack area, <laughs> like in the pantry or wherever, like you can handle this time, you know, after you finish your, your math block or whatever and get yourself a snack and use the bathroom and just like stretch or walk around. But I just, I don't know if you agree with that, but I feel like this might help sort of foster a little more independence in some of those transitions. Cause I'm personally daunted by the idea of having to manage transitions every 30 minutes while I'm also trying to juggle my clients, you know? Yeah, it's it's a lot. And I know that you're always a big proponent of teaching kids life skills. And there are so many age appropriate life skills that we can teach our kids that will help relieve some of the burdens. Mm -hmm. And that really starts with setting up good systems. So back to school in general, we know this is parents from our many years of parenting and back to school seasons that have come and gone. Back to school is really all about routines and systems. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage all of us to take some time before the school year starts to think about what worked well in your house last spring and what didn't. Like, what were those fails? Like having kids knock on your office door every five minutes for a snack. Like, obviously, that's a pain point And that's something we need to fix. So things like that. Um, think about what those pain points were and how you might be able to eliminate those. And so, you know, we're right now anxiously awaiting for a final version of our school system schedule to come out. We hope in our county that'll come out this week. But whenever that comes out for your kid's school, sit down as a family and look it over. So I would say Mm -hmm. start by figuring out what kinds of things your kids need in their space to be successful learners. Take stock of what they have, what they need, everything from like pens, pencils, crayons, paper better headphones, stock up now while those things are cheap and organize them in a way so they're accessible during class times. That will allow them, you know, think back to elementary school, right? Where those shared tables had the Mm -hmm. bucket of supplies and everything was right there so kids could be independent. You can set that up in your home as well and just, you know, have a little tote, grab all those, you know, 
start saving your cans, put some cute wrapping paper on them and put, you know, pencils or whatever markers in them and make your own, make, make, make your child um, their own space at their workspace. So they have what they need for school right there and they don't need to come and bother you. So tape, stapler or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then talk about what those breaks are and what your kids can do during those times. So like you said, if they have that break after math block, you know, they should make them a checklist. They should go to the bathroom. They should grab a snack. They should refill their water bottle. They should stretch and they, then they should sit down and be ready to go. Yeah. Um, and make it easy for them too. If you want them to grab a snack, create an area. And I think of Rachel, Rachel Rosenthal from Rachel. She's amazing. I will link her off. She's amazing. (laughs) She probably has tips for this on her blog already about your at-home workspace for kids and things you can do. But I'm thinking of Rachel and I'm looking at all her beautifully organized pantries and creating an area in your pantry and also in your fridge where kids have access to healthy snacks that you want them to have Mm -hmm. is really, really important. So make it easy. You know, little kids can't reach up high. So put it right at like arm at at eyeball height because they'll tend to see the things that are right at eye height that they can quickly grab. And, you know, also reinforce the fact that if it's a cheese stick, Please throw the cheese stick wrapper away so the dog does <laughs> that the dog doesn't eat it when they get bored or something like that, right? Isn't so, it incredible the steps you never thought you would have to outline? But yes, the throwing away of the wrappers, important <laughs> part of consuming packaged goods. Right. Because honestly, if we've made it available, that's great. But then that extra step of throwing things away, like we don't want to come upstairs or downstairs to a pile of trash on the table that maybe the dog is also yeah (laughs) that'll just cause all sorts of parental rage so let's cut that off at the pass like if you have like peanut butter crackers or a cheese stick just you know dispose of things accordingly put dishes in the sink or in the dishwasher wherever you want them just let them know what your expectations are and build that into practice yeah so other things yeah i mean other things to do that are that we overlook are practice logging in for the youngest kids Youngest, our youngest kids who, you know, I think about our kindergartners who are starting school and they're starting their school experience on Zoom, they might need some help logging in. So if you can get those logins and walk them through it a few times, if you can bookmark the learning platform and any other sites they might be using to make it easier, do those things ahead of time because that'll make things easier as you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So things like that. Yeah. I mean, things like that. And then also we know that um, the school day is probably going to be a lot shorter than the workday. So make a checklist of things kids can do on their own. So younger kids, you might want to have it icon based because they're not quite reading yet. So have a picture of a book, have a picture of a snack, have a picture of something even like chores, like putting clothes away. So make a chart and a checklist. Older kids, you can just write it out and then copy it you can make it digital or whatever but have a checklist of things they can do um before you're done with the day that'll help them fill their time mm-hmm. um because you know we really want them to be independent but we also want them to know that they can get us uh if they really run into a problem so develop a system for that too i would say yeah i think that's genius and you're reminding me with you know sort of different things that kids can do is that I this is going to be the perfect time for me to re up the I think this is the one viral thing I've ever made on the Internet. But it was this list of something like 100 life skills you can teach your kids in five minutes or less. And I made I designed a PDF printable that you can print and put on your fridge. So awesome (laughs) at eye level, apparently. Um, (laughs) So important. Well, okay. so I have a question. I think those are all amazing recommendations. And this next one, I don't know if this is a little too tricky a topic because people will have different platforms and whatever. But I know that 
um, a big source of tech fatigue for me in the spring was like managing appointments and changing platforms and all these things. Um, I just am wondering if you have recommendations about sort of simple and easy ways to keep track of assignments, appointments, I don't know, everything without it being so overwhelming. It just was so awful. (laughs) And I think the hard thing that we were all dealing with this spring were things that were constantly changing, right? And so, you know, I like to try to plan as much as possible with some flexibility built in there. But when things are constantly changing, that immediately makes you feel very overwhelmed and you feel like things are spiraling out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that always has worked well for our family is a family calendar. That helps, as does looking at the daily school schedule and trying to schedule work things around it. It's not always possible to do that, I know. But this spring, for me, I looked at my online teaching schedule and my kids' schedule, and then I figured out time blocks where I could write or I could attend to client needs. I really tried to schedule my work calls for the times that I knew my kids would be in class. Mm -hmm. And I took a lunch break when they had lunch, mostly because I needed to eat, but that Mm -hmm. also allowed me, like, okay, that was a time where I knew I wasn't going to schedule anything. My kids were free. I'd check in with them. I'd see if there was something that they needed me for, if we were good to go. But it also helped, you know, provide some structure to my day. So I wasn't working the entire day through. Um, Another tip, as annoying and overwhelming as they can feel, those notifications from the online learning platforms that your kids will be using, um, I would turn those on because that helps you stay on top of things. Mm-hmm. What I would recommend is filtering them into a separate inbox for emails from school so you can check that once a day. Because if you have those constantly like coming into your inbox or those push notifications, that will immediately derail whatever you're working on and you know make things feel very overwhelming. So what I would recommend is turning off those notifications on your phone But having them filter into, if you're using Gmail, into a separate folder that's just, you know, labeled school and check that once a day. That way you're staying on top of things, but not in a way that's um, interrupting your workflow and your train of thought for the tasks that you're trying to accomplish. Okay, that's genius. I didn't even know there were (laughs) notifications. So maybe that's why I was so overwhelmed. (laughs) I know. I think I know um, our school system uses Canvas and well, last year we were using Canvas and Google Classroom. So both of those platforms allow you to toggle your settings. So that's a really good thing for parents to do. Like go in as a back to school tip for parents, go into those learning platforms, toggle those settings to whatever you want them to be. Some people want those push notifications all the time. I know I personally am like squirrel and I'm like, Oh, totally. Shiny object. And I just have instantly forgotten what I was talking about. So yeah, I turned those off just to minimize my own distractions. Oh, that's amazing. The ROI in this episode is off the hook. All right. Well, we have (laughs) to help. (laughs) Yes. And we have more to chat about and we will do that after a quick break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you struggle with boundaries and the general complexities of peopling? Relationships are necessary to our well-being, and some relationships are just, well, complicated. A good chunk of the work I have done in therapy centers on relationships, how to own my part of the story, how to let go of relationships that are toxic, and how to navigate challenging relationships in a way that doesn't drain me. And all of this work helps me show up better for myself and also as a partner, mom, friend, family member, and business owner. If you're thinking of starting therapy, check out BetterHelp. This online therapy platform was designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash edit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash edit. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. Okay, friends, we are back with the wonderful Letitia Barr, who is dropping all sorts of wisdom and, you know, information on things that I had no idea about. So thanks. I'm learning along with everybody (laughs) else today. You're so welcome. We're all in this together. Uh, We're all trying to survive this crazy time. Totally. (laughs) All right. Well, so I have a question um, about kids, obviously. But so you're a teacher. And I imagine that you saw a real struggle with helping kids who are kind of resistant to this online learning situation, how to like get them engaged. So I guess I'm asking both as a parent and an educator, if you have recommendations um, for parents who might have kids who are really struggling, like don't want to get on the thing, you know, you kind of have to, but like how to make it a little more fun, a little more engaging, a little less torturous for kids who are struggling with that. Yeah, honestly, that's a great question. Every kid is different um, in the classroom and then also in a virtual setting. And they sit. And one thing that I saw as a teacher is that kids who were moderately engaged in class really killed it when we moved to online learning and vice versa. Some mm-hmm. kids who had been really engaged in class totally ghosted me. So I would say to parents, as a parent, you have to know your kids. Not every child learns in the same way. So it's worth having a conversation with your teacher's child. I mean, with your child's teacher. As soon as you're starting to get a sense that they're resisting, because your child's teacher is really skilled at handling resistant learners in the classroom, Mm -hmm. and they will probably have some new strategies they can try during virtual class or maybe even have some recommendations of things to do at home. Um, So that maybe I'm thinking there may be some offline activities that your child's teacher could suggest. Maybe younger kids might do better if they have manipulatives, or there might be interactive sites with games or video that would help explain content, but in a different way, because, you know, your child is learning through Zoom and through these online platforms. But we want to make sure that um, the knowledge is really getting through them and they're they're actually learning and absorbing the material. And we know that not every child learns the same way in the classroom and the same thing is going to hold true in a virtual classroom. So um, it may take some extra work on your part, but you want to find a ways to motivate your child and not turn them off to learning. So In addition to talking to your child's teacher, I mean, maybe it's a fun Zoom background that your kid needs to change once a week. Um, 
to get them motivated and to keep them interested in just being on the computer. Maybe they would like something like a light up, a light up mouse. I don't know. I know there's some gaming mice that light up and you can like change the colors and things like that. Maybe they'd like a different set of headphones because the headphones they have are really uncomfortable. So mm. figure out what the problem is to, you know, and maybe why, why, why they're resistant. I mean, maybe they just hate learning online and that's, that's a struggle, but it's something if you can figure out what it is about, what it is about why they don't like learning online, that's when you can do some good problem solving and engage your child's teacher um, when needed. I think that, that those are awesome suggestions. And I am just kind of like sitting here like, wow, even something as mechanical as, you know, earbuds or something that don't fit right and they kind of hurt. Like yeah. a kid might not necessarily tell you about that, but it really makes them not want to do it. So it's, yeah. I think that's just good evidence to sort of cover the bases and just, you know, ask and, and observe and see what's happening. I mean, in our house, my 16 year old, she really loves, she really, she just, she just bought herself AirPods, but she's always been a big fan of the Apple earbuds because they fit her ears really well. My son really prefers the over the ear headphones. And so mm. it's taken us, I don't know how long to figure that out, but now that I know that, you know, you know, we kind of, they've tried out different ones, um, through the years and this is just what's worked best for them. So I would say that these things are, you know, they seem like such small and inconsequential things, but they make such a big difference. So definitely buy them from places that make returning easy as you can test things out and find things that really work well. Oh, that's, that's super great recommendation. All right. Well, I would love to talk about some fun tech recs, um, both for younger and older kids. I just, I, you know, I, I get so like bummed out when I, and I understand the narrative of like the tech is bad and it's, you know, (laughs) taking our kids over, but I just think there's obviously so much like fun and creativity and joy that can happen with it too. So I know you're into that. So, um, (laughs) I want to discuss, I, I will share that, uh, my teenager loves TikTok just for like silliness and, um, you know, fun stuff and DIYs and whatever. And then I'm grimacing just slightly. I I resisted for a long time, but Violet really does love the Facebook kids messenger platform because there's like fun games and other things there. So I don't know. I have mixed feelings about Facebook, but she really does love it. And then (laughs) my last (laughs) recommendation would be, um, if you're a parent and you need some extra time to work during the day, but you want to like get your kids eyes off the screen, I not surprisingly would love to recommend podcasts because there's so many great kid focused ones like circle round. If you want storytelling or brains on, if you want science, I just feel like the options are endless now. I'll I'll try to link up some of those, but I'd love to hear if you have other favorites. Yeah. Podcasts are great because, you know, kids, kids learn from listening. I mean, you have some learners who are really visual and you have learners who are auditory learners. And so the things that they can get from podcasts are really, really valuable. And it's another great learning tool that gives you a bit of extra time. So add that to your things you can do when you're done with class list podcasts, and then have a list of recommended ones that they can listen to. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, things like TikTok and Facebook kids, even though you might grimace about those things, one thing we have to remember right now is that our kids are socializing through their screens. So using things like TikTok, Facebook Messenger, DMing their friends, um, um, Netflix watch parties, these are all things that connect them to their peers, which is really important because they're not getting that face-to-face interaction that they have during a regular school day. It's all very virtual. So 
I mean, we might not love them, but, you know, even video games like playing Minecraft with friends, playing Fortnite with friends. I know my son connects with his friends a lot through gaming and they're chatting with each other. And that's a really important uh, piece of social and emotional learning right now. So um, in addition to podcasts, I would say tap into their interests through things like OutSchool, where so many of the classes, OutSchool's Mm -hmm. great. I mean, I was looking on it the other day with my daughter, Emily, and there is a wealth of content on there. And I love that. Um, so many of the classes are taught by teachers and they teach other skills like drawing, cooking, things that our kids have really, they're really interested in and they might need like an expert to kind of guide them through, or they might want to learn something else that, you know, you might not want to send them directly to YouTube for. And out school is a, is a way that you can look through something together. They could do some enrichment. Um, and, and I know out school has like one-time classes. They have classes that you can buy that are like once a week. So there's a lot of different options too without school in terms of content and the way the content is structured. So I really think OutSchool is a great platform. Um, I like YouTube Kids for um, kids that because of the age appropriate recommendations. And I know in the past, YouTube Kids has been a bit controversial. They put in a lot of features that really give parents a lot of control about what their kids are watching, you know, the ability to block certain channels or certain creators, but they have age appropriate recommendations for little kids elementary ages. And then it's also aged up to tweens. So if your kids aren't quite ready for, mm -hmm. yeah, full bolt on YouTube, um, I would recommend YouTube kids and looking at things together and then going through and, you know, you can whitelist channels that content is always okay, you know? So things like um, National Geographic for kids, if you always want to, if you say that National Geographic content is content that you approve of as a family, you can whitelist that. So that will always come through. Um, older kids, I find that my 14-year-old, he learned so much through regular YouTube. He's learned how to fix his mountain bike. He's watched how-to videos that then result in him like spending hours tinkering in the basement on some sort of project that he sort of explains to me and then comes up and I'm like, wow, that's what you've been doing. Okay, cool. <laughs> that's amazing. So, I love it. There's a lot of things out there. And of course, you know, I think back, I love a maze, of course. Um, I think back. Yes. Should you wish to level up your sex ed? Yes. Exactly. Well, because let's be honest, sex ed is awkward enough, but then you're in a Zoom room with your health teacher. I mean, my son and some of his friends had to do that this spring and they were like, oh, Oh, my God, this is so weird. Having this conversation is weird enough in person, but now we're doing it virtually like. uh." So point your kids out, point your kids towards a maze. I love how they really take the awkward out of sex ed and relationships. And there's just, and there's also a ton of great digital safety content on there as well, which our kids could always use a refresher on. So always. And actually you have, you have, I know this personally, but you have a playlist with your tech safety picks. So I will link that up in the notes too, because that is very helpful. Indeed. And for younger kids, I mean, Amaze may not be right, right for you in terms of those digital safety tips. I love Interland. It's a fun, interactive yes. game, mm-hmm. digital safety and citizenship. It's something done by Google's Be Internet Awesome. And little kids, it's super fun. So turn your kids on to that and they could probably play that for hours. <laughs> That's fabulous. We actually talked about Interland on an episode that was all Google, all things Be Internet Awesome. So awesome. Um, I will link that episode up as well. I also wanted to mention, since you mentioned OutSchool, um, Varsity Tutors, I don't know if you know them. They they were a former sponsor of our show um, at some point. And like at the time that we were working with them, it was very like academic if you're homeschooling or doing whatever. But I was recently on their site uh, because I admittedly took a two-day dog training course for myself. Um, 
<laughs> and they've they've pivoted and have all of this really cool like these one-off classes that you can do and some of them are totally free like my dog training class was totally free i couldn't believe it that's um, awesome I yeah might need i mean that. they're paid I might courses need that too. but free stuff too i, I know, know right we've used varsity tutors emily i like i like and and i have a post about them on my site um emily oh, used cool. varsity tutors and I really love that it was on-demand tutoring with someone who really knew their stuff. Because one thing that you might be finding, too, as our kids are engaging in online learning, um, you know, like I keep saying, all kids learn differently. Well, the teacher your child might have for AP Physics might not explain things in a way that your child is really grasping. And I loved, Emily really liked using varsity tutors just to get somebody else's perspective mm -hmm. and teaching style on certain topics for AP Physics. So varsity tutors was a wonderful resource. So as our kids are getting stuck in some of the classes that we know we can't help them with, Varsity Tutors is yes. a fabulous resource. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, AP Physics. Right. Uh, oh my <laughs> gosh, yes. Actually, Laurel used the private tutoring there for her AP AP Euro like prep, and I was like, yeah, I cannot. I have got nothing for you. So. Right. I mean, and the the teach the people that they have as Varsity Tutors teachers. They're certified teachers. They're really, really knowledgeable. And I was just impressed that we could get somebody to help her with AP physics, you know, at 1030 at night and really get some real help, you yeah. know, if she was struggling with something that she wasn't understanding before an exam. So yeah. whether it's pre-exam prep or just, you know, deepening understanding a great resource so it's so good to know fabulous. they do dog dog training as well yes apparently dog training and like awesome. science and magic tricks and cursive writing and all these things anyway nice. um the show notes links link list is going to be huge for this episode by the way people <laughs> and i'm here for it it'll be awesome all right leticia well i have one i gotta put you on the spot for one yes. more moment um at the end of each episode asha and i share what we call your next edit People love your next edit because <laughs> I think it's just something really concrete, like a recommendation for thing, something that people can do, you know, straight away after they finish listening to the episode. So I would love to know what your next edit is in the context of our conversation today. Um, you mean a tip that I can provide to other parents? Yeah, just something simple. I would say go to Canvas or Google Classroom, whatever online learning platform your school system is using, and Look at those settings for all those alerts that you're getting. Turn on the ones you want, turn off the ones you don't want, and then also set up that Google um, email folder or whatever email provider you use. You can set up a folder to filter all of those email announcements from your school, your general emails, plus all of those learning platform announcements. And that way you're simple. You're, you're really editing your life <laughs> in a beautiful way. You sure are. <laughs> and I love, this is the perfect your next edit because it would literally take like five to seven minutes to do those things. It that's really perfect. would. And that's a really <laughs> tangible thing you can do right now that will prevent you from feeling overwhelmed once the school year starts. So we all take need care that. of that now. Indeed. Right. Oh, Letitia, this has been such a joy. I feel like energized and I actually do feel less overwhelmed. So thank you for the gift of giving us your time, like right after coming back off vacation. Oh my I really gosh, appreciate you're welcome. It. This is a great topic and I'm glad we could chat. I'm so glad to be a resource to help other parents because the struggle is real, but we'll get through it. <laughs> we will. We absolutely will. Okay, friends, you will find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources we've mentioned at edityourlifeshow.com. And as ever, we love chatting with you on the internet. This week, we'd like to know what's a tech fatigue antidote for you and your kids. Hop over to facebook.com slash edit your life show and look for the question of the week pinned to the top of the page. Or you can chat with us on Instagram at edit your life show. Thanks for listening. 
Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.